Well, it's good to see all of you here. We're regathering. We're rebuilding. You know, nationally, they're, they've taken polls, and churches, as, uh, as on the average, have had about 40% return so far from this COVID thing. We've been a little higher. We've been to 50 to 60%. But churches on the whole, nationwide, 40% have regathered so far. So I want to say to those of you watching by video, I'm so glad you're watching. But you know what? We've been meeting a couple of weeks now. We're still alive. And so I want you to pray about, pray about coming back because uh, we're here. And, um, of course, we're going to regather. God's going to do it. And it's good seeing all of you. Cindy is not here because Cindy has laryngitis. She's talking like this. So that means at home I can say anything I want. Because she can't talk back. No, we miss her and she sends her love. But she's really been battling this. And she said, if I go, Jeff, if I go and say hi to somebody, they're going to think I got COVID because I'm hoarse. But that's not it. It's laryngitis. She's been to the doctor. So anyway, good to see all of you. Now, I want everybody who's not a father to be seated. If you're not a father, now I want us to give a great big hand to those that are still standing. Amen. Amen, amen. Come on, everybody. Let them know you love them. It's Father's Day. Amen. Now, the rest of you stand back up. Hey, I'm going to keep you in shape around here. I'm going to talk to you today, of course, about dads. I'm calling the message Irreplaceable Dad. Irreplaceable. Um, I'm going to talk to you about dads, of course, but I'm really going to focus on the fatherhood of God. God's our daddy. He really is our father. He really is. And he's the best example of a father anywhere in the universe. So I'm going to be talking about that today. We're going to read one verse. And since it's so short, I want you to read it with me because this verse um, reveals a profound truth about fathers. All right. Now, if you're not a dad, and most of you in here are not a dad, the majority, uh, it's still going to minister to you because I'm going to talk about your daddy, God. So it's going to be a very uplifting, encouraging word. And um, let's just read this one verse, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6. Read it with me. Children's children are the crown of old men. So every old man in here say amen. I've got grandchildren. You were just called an old man by the Bible. All right, now, let's read the rest. And the glory of children are their fathers. Whoa. Now, let that sink in a minute. The glory of children are their fathers. Now, the glory is talking about, is not talking about like the glory of God. That's another kind of glory. But I'm going to tell you what that glory means. Because it, it lets us know as dads and future dads, there's a, there's a strong calling on us regarding our family. Amen? So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray that it will minister as it always does. Lord, we need to be built up. We need to be encouraged. We need to be strengthened in the faith. So, Lord, I'm asking you to do that today because the entrance of your words give light. 
and they give understanding to the simple. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to get it today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to say out loud, Happy Father's Day, and you can be seated. Amen. Now, notice that while grandchildren are a crown to grandparents and a grandfather, um, children, their crown is their fathers. The crown of children is their fathers. Now, Solomon is the one writing this, and Solomon had a major dad. Amen? Solomon's dad was King David, who was a very flawed man. And can I be honest with you today? King David was not a great dad. King David was a great um, king. He was a great warrior, and he was a great man of God. But if you really study his life, he was not a great dad. He really failed in fatherhood uh, a lot. And so that will encourage us that somebody with the anointing on his life that David had could also be so flawed as a father. And maybe I'll take another Sunday just to talk to you about where David really messed up, where he fell short, because we can learn from him. He was a very emotionally distant dad. Um, he, was, he was not real connected relationally to his children. And so, another topic. But when it says that the crown of children, the glory of children is their father, the glory of a child is his father. It's talking about uh, how a child, the, the foundation of his character development comes a great deal from what he observes in his dad. See, a child will look at his father's integrity, his success, uh, his wisdom, his love, how he treats others, how he treats mom. That's a biggie. A child will look at that. And, you know, a child learns without knowing a child is learning. Uh, many things in the home, as a matter of fact, I would say most things in the home are caught more than they're taught. We, we don't know that every single day we're sending messages to our children and to our spouse that they may not be verbally, intentionally taught, but the teaching is going on every day. Now, it's Father's Day. It's not Mother's Day. So I'm going to home in on dads. And I want you to know that uh, I'm not judging you. I'm not pointing a finger at you. I have been way flawed as a dad, major flawed as a dad. You know, you can't give what you don't have. And whenever you get married, you carry with you whatever baggage you brought out of your home. Whatever you learn from your home, whatever you learned about dad and mom and relationships and marriage and money and habits and all of that, you get all of that, you pick up all of that in your home. I really see home is, is the training ground for life. It's not the church, it's the home. The church can never do the job of the home. We can try to supplement it and we do. But we cannot be there to, to live with you, to, to teach you, to help you raise kids. No, no. Your home is the primary training ground for life for your children. They're watching how you handle money. They're watching how you relate to each other. They're watching how you either lose your temper or keep it. They're watching what you do with uh, substances, alcohol, and whatnot. They, they watch and they learn. And it's a heavy responsibility. But basically, when a child has an honorable father, he has, he has bragging rights. And that's what a kid likes to have. My dad is better than your dad. 
My dad is stronger than your dad. My dad can run faster and jump higher than your dad. My dad's a more manly man than your dad. My dad's a better dad just because he's a better dad because he's my dad. Bragging rights. Every child wants to be able to brag, listen to me, on dad. Three boys were in the schoolyard bragging about who had the better dad. The first boy said, my dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper and he calls it a poem and they give him a hundred bucks for it. The second boy said, that's nothing. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a song and they give him a thousand dollars for it. Third boy said, no big deal because my dad is even better. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper, calls it a sermon, and it takes six men just to collect the money. (laughs) Right? Before American culture went crazy, and it really went crazy in the 60s. In the 60s, we decided we didn't need God anymore. In the 60s, if you were around then, I was a little guy then, but if you were around in the 60s, you know... Then in the 60s, we began to systematically move God out of our culture. We took God out of the school. We took the commandments, 10 commandments off the walls because God forbid a child would read, thou shalt not kill. We took prayer out of the schools. We took Bible reading out of the schools. We took the mention of Jesus Christ out of the culture. We began to forbid prayers to be made during sporting events of high schools. Can't say the name of Jesus, can't do this and that. Anything that has to do with Christianity, it's forbidden. And we began to systematically, uh, incrementally remove God from our culture. And when we did that, see, that's the dangerous thing about getting rid of God. Because when you get rid of God, you get rid of his word. And when you get rid of his word, you get rid of his wisdom. And what we are dying over in our culture today is we we have no godly wisdom. There is no wisdom. And if you think you're going to get wisdom in a college, let me inform you, you will go dumb in college. Because college doesn't teach wisdom anymore. Can I say that again? College does not teach wisdom anymore. You're not going to find any wisdom in college. It's not there. You're going to spend thousands of dollars. Now, if you're going to get a you know, you're going to be a CPA or some degree that's going to help you earn a living. I understand that. But, but, but understand this. You may get knowledge. You may get know-how, how, how to function in a certain field. But you will never, ever encounter wisdom in a college. Because wisdom comes from God, and it begins with the fear of the Lord. And there is no fear of the Lord in colleges in universities. They will mock you if you fear God. They will mock you if you say you believe in Christ. They will ridicule you if you say you believe the Bible is the word of God. You are considered dumb then. But what college will do, I guarantee you, it will dumb you down intellectually. You say, I shouldn't go to college? No. I'm just saying you need to go with the full armor of God on and stay in the word of God because you won't get wisdom in college. But before we really gave up on God in this culture, there was honor. There was honor for authority. There was honor for parents. There was honor for dad, honor for mom. 
When you encountered authority, you honored the authority. Even if you didn't like the person that had the authority, you had the wisdom to honor the authority, understanding that all authority is from God. So, so you, 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 we lost that. And when we lost that, then the parental honor also went out the window. But before that happened, did you know that even hit songs were written about dads in a favorable light? Hit songs. In 1963, a song was written by Paul Peterson called My Dad. My Dad. It said, My Dad. Now here's a man. To me, he is everything strong. No, he can't do wrong. My Dad. My Dad. Now he understands when I bring him troubles to share, he's always there. My dad. You gonna hear something like that written today? No. But see, Paul Peterson had a glory, and his glory was his dad. He's bragging on his dad. When was the last time you bragged on your dad or you as a dad got bragged on? Amen? But see, maybe you didn't have a dad like that. Maybe you didn't have a dad that you could write a hit song about. Maybe Father's Day for you brings mixed feelings like Mother's Day does for so many women. It brings mixed feelings because your dad maybe left when you were a child. My dad did. When I was eight years old, I came home from school, and my mother greeted me at the door, and she sat me down and said, Jeff, your father has left. I said, well, where is he gone? And she said, well, he's divorcing me. And I said, what is that? She said, well, he's leaving me and we're not going to be married anymore. I was a bright little guy. Just, I was, and I was a studious little guy. And it was my way to get an encyclopedia and go out into the woods with it and learn all the creatures, all the birds, all the animals. And I was always growing and learning. But as soon as I learned that my dad had left, everything came to a a halt for me. And I didn't understand it because see, if he left her, he left me. And at nights I would hear my mother because we had a little bitty house and, and my room was right next to her room and there were thin walls. And I would hear my mother every night crying herself to sleep. And it caused me to have a root of bitterness against my dad. I began to pick up my mother's offense and I got a root of bitterness. And I went from disliking him to hating him and it almost destroyed me. It almost ruined me. As a matter of fact, it was a huge reason. I, I, I ended up in a juvenile detention center at 16 years old for a sale of narcotics charge because my hatred for my dad made me decide. I decided in my mind, I'm going to get straight F's in school because that's what matters to him. And so I'm, I'm not even going to try. And I got straight F's. And I didn't get through high school because of the root of bitterness I had against my dad. And I can remember just thinking about it all the time. I didn't want to be in the same room with him. I didn't want to be around him because I hated what happened to my mother. And so when I got saved in juvenile homes, a 16-year-old boy, 
the first thing the Lord led me to do was go to my dad and be reconciled to my dad and forgive my dad and ask my dad to forgive me. And as soon as I did that, more doors opened up for me in ministry. But until then, I couldn't move forward. I had to get things right with my dad. Because you see, the glory of a child is his father. And even if your dad has been wrong and done you wrong, you've got to forgive to be able to move forward in the things of God. And so maybe you've had a bad dad. Maybe your dad was an alcoholic. Maybe he was on drugs. Maybe he walked away like that. Maybe you lost your dad through death at an early age, like my dad lost his dad. My dad lost his dad when he was eight years old to cancer. So my dad never had a dad to raise him, so he didn't really know how to be the kind of dad that I needed. Because you see, you can't give what you don't have. That's why it's so important. Hey, say, hey, God, I don't have much at all. I need the wisdom. I need the knowledge. I need the understanding of the scriptures because I will not be able to give to somebody else what you have not put in me. So put in me your wisdom, God. Put in me your knowledge. Put in me your understanding because I need you, Lord. I got good news and the good news is I'm gonna talk to you today about the greatest dad you can ever have. And his name is Heavenly Father. Amen. And I'm gonna talk about him more in just a moment. But first, let me just tell you about the importance of dads. Did you know the word mother occurs 363 times in the Bible while the word father is mentioned over 1,300 times? See, the father is the spiritual guide and the standard bearer of any home. The father is the one that should lead in prayer. The father is the one that should lead to church. I've been a pastor a long time. I've been a pastor long enough to see a pattern. I have seen women come into church on fire for God, I mean crank for Jesus, ready to do anything and everything for the Lord. But then I've seen them slowly but surely grow lukewarm and then totally fade away. And when I inquired as to where they had gone and what had happened with them, I discovered that the dad, the father, the husband would not lead in the things of God. And eventually it affected the wife Because listen to me, listen carefully, as goes the father, so goes the home. Now, if you're a single mother, my hat goes off to you. I respect you for your courage, your perseverance, your love, because you're pulling two carts and you're only supposed to be pulling one. You're pulling two burdens and you're only supposed to be pulling one. You need the help of that husband, of that father. But if he's not there and you're doing it alone, my hat's off to you. Can we give the single moms a hand here today? Amen. But see, if I can make an illustration, the, the, the husband is the thermostat of the home and the wife is the thermometer. The husband sets the temperature and the wife responds to the temperature. Have you ever noticed that the women are responders to what comes at them and the men are to be the, the temperature setters of the home? So if a home is red hot for God, and, and, and there is a married couple there, I guarantee you it's not red hot, but what the father's involved. Because the father is the thermostat, the woman is the thermometer. She'll let you know how hot or cold it is. But it's the husband that's got to set it. Are we going to be 70 degrees? Are we going to be 80? Are we going to be 90? Or are we going to be red hot for Jesus? Or are we going to be ice cold? The temperature is set by the man, and the woman is the thermometer that tells you how hot or cold it is. 
A father is more than a male. Any male can sire a child, but it takes a man to be a father. Don't tell me you're a man because you've sired a child. Any male can sire a child. You're a man if you're a father to the child you sired. See, I believe what's wrong in America right now I believe one of the number one key problems in America right now is absentee fathers. Again, I didn't come to judge anybody, pummel anybody, point a finger at anybody, but I did come to make us aware and alert of what's going on in our country. See, see, uh, we're in a generation of absentee dads. We're in a generation where a man will sire a child and move on down the road and let the mother raise that child and have nothing to do with him. I have never understood that. That is your flesh and blood. You cannot go down the road after siring a child and leave them to the mom and and go sire the next one. You are not cattle raised up by God to sire babies. You are a man called by God to be a father, a man of God, a leader in the home, a spiritual light in the community. Let me read you a few statistics about the importance of their dads. A their dad is a dad who's there physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Those are the three ways you're there. You can be there physically and not be there emotionally at all. That's the way my dad was. He was there physically, but that was it. He was always buried in a newspaper. And I had to, you know, I have three sisters, and one of them figured out how to communicate with my dad. She would jump in his lap and pull the paper down and look in his face. Because he would not relate. He was lost in reading and oblivious to what was going around, on around him in the house. So when I say a there, dad, I mean not just physically, not just hanging around, but emotionally and spiritually. You're guiding spiritually. Listen to this. Here's some statistics from secular sources that are just pure, raw statistics. The U.S. Department of Health Census reports that 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 90%. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of men with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 70% of youths in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. And 85%, listen to this one, 85% of all youths in prison, 85% come from fatherless homes. 20 times the average. See, that tells me the glory of children is their father. And when the father boogies, he's not there. The glory is gone. There's something that is gone. There's a spiritual covering that is gone. That child is somehow or another opened up to the attacks of the enemy more so than if dad was home, walking with God, praying over them, watching over them. 
leading them and guiding them. So again, I want to focus on the greatest father in all the universe because he's the ultimate pattern for all fathers, and that is Father God. Because you know what? Every father in here, including me, has fallen short a million different times. And I had to study this before I had to preach it to you. So I've already been convicted over and over again. And if you're feeling convicted now, I've already felt it 20 times more because I had to write down all these stats. No, I'm going to talk to you about the father, the greatest father that you could ever have. And he is our pattern. In Christianity, God is known as God the Father, God our Father, and God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the moment we turn to Christ by faith, a miracle happens to you and me. When we look up and we say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you spilled your innocent blood on my behalf, that you bore the wrath of God in my stead, and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and come into my heart. At that moment, a miracle happens to you. A transformation happens to you on the inside that cannot be wrought by any other thing. It is not rehab. It is not a New Year's resolution. It is not willpower. None of those things. A spiritual a spiritual transformation happens and you are born again. And when you are born again, immediately you were adopted by a heavenly father into the family of God. At that very moment, the greatest miracle in the universe that's possible to anybody is that God the Father, with whom we were at odds, As a matter of fact, the Bible says before we were saved, we were his enemy. But now that we've been saved, he immediately becomes our father in heaven. For you have not received, the Bible says, a spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of divine adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You get that? Abba, Father. Abba is a powerful word. It's used in the Greek language as a term of endearment by a beloved child. When a child is just feeling love for his parent, it's Abba, all right? And it suggests an affectionate, dependent relationship with a father. Two synonyms of Abba would be daddy and papa. So God literally becomes our father, our father in heaven. Not just a God out there, not just some religion, but we immediately enter into supernatural relationship, a father-child relationship where he leads us and guides us and counsels us and provides for us and disciplines us and trains us and raises us up to be the people we always wanted to be but couldn't do it without him. So everybody say with me, Abba Father. So can we look up and just say, Happy Father's Day. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, once you are saved, you are members of God's very own family. Listen to these family terms. You are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. So when you and I were saved, we received a new family, a new country, and a new household. 
Family, that's family terminology. Born again. He's our heavenly father. You know, you look in the Old Testament and you encounter a holy God, a, a, a God of justice, a God of mercy, a God that is kind of scary because whenever he shows up, people drop dead. And don't, don't approach this mountain that I'm going to be on. If you get too close to the mountain, you won't live to tell about it. And he, he descended on the mountain in a cloud and thunderings and lightnings and all these different manifestations that, that made you in awe of him. But you'll find if you study your Old Testament that rarely, rarely is God ever called Father in the Old Testament. But it all changed when Jesus came on the scene. Because Jesus called God your Father, my Father, our father. He began to describe God in family terms. God, he's our father. He's our daddy. He's our papa. He's listening to you. He cares about you. He's providing for you. He knows about you. You're his child. And we note that when Jesus was referring to God over and over again as father, he taught us many different ways to look at God uh, as father. When referring to God as our Father in heaven, he taught us first to be like him. He said, bless those that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That you may be like your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. Every single day, God gives sunshine to people that curse his name all day long. And he makes his rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. And he said, I want you to be just like your heavenly father. So we've got a father to look to who is perfect. He is flawless. He doesn't have any faults. He is a perfect father. And if you want to know what a perfect father looks like, look at Father God. Amen. Jesus calls him father hundreds of times in the gospels. And we also note that Jesus taught us to approach God in prayer as our father. Jesus immediately made prayer relational, not religious. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. And all these memorized prayers that we own it all mean from our heart. But Jesus said, no. He said, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, okay, you want to know how to pray? I'll tell you how. First of all, at the very beginning of your prayer, approach him as father, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So you know what that does? That greases the skids of the faith that drives prayer because we know that he's my father. And if he's my father, then he cares. He's listening. He's going to answer because I'm his child and he's my dad in heaven. And so therefore he cares what happens to me. So my father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And that's how we approach him in prayer. He taught us to trust in the character of our heavenly father. If you then being evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children. Will not your heavenly father give good things to those that ask him? And Luke phrased it, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Yeah, if you being fallen in sin... 
full of flaws, full of mistakes and shortcomings, have a love and a care for your children, then when they need something, man, you are there. Then how much more will your heavenly Father, who is perfect and flawless, give you good things and give you the Holy Spirit and give you the things that you need? Amen? So... I trust in the character of God. And Jesus also taught us that that when we receive him as our Savior, he will literally acknowledge us by name to the Father in the time of judgment. Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me in front of men, yes, I know Jesus, yes, I walk with Jesus, yes, I'm a Christian. When you do that and you acknowledge Jesus in front of people, Jesus said, when the judgment comes, I'm going to walk right up to the Father, and I'm going to name your name and say, he's mine, she's mine, and he will be our attorney. And we will not come into judgment because our attorney, the Lord Jesus Christ, our advocate, the Messiah Jesus, will acknowledge us by name to the Father. He taught us about the Father's concern over little children. He said, in the same way your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. You know, Jesus gave a real stern warning about little children. He said, it is inevitable that offenses would come. Offenses are going to come to this world. He said, you can't stop it. It's inevitable. Offenses that make people stumble into sin, that make people depart from God. Offenses that hurt and tempt and, 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 and cause people to, to leave the faith, are going to come. But Jesus said, woe to him by whom they come. He said, it is better for you, if you make, than if you make one of these little ones to stumble, it's better for you than a millstone was tied around your neck and you were thrown in the midst of the sea, than you make one of these little ones to stumble. Jesus said, the heavenly Father loves the little children. Amen. And Jesus taught that it's God the Father who answers prayer when we pray in Jesus' name. He said, again, I tell you that if two, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you. How? Read it with me, everybody. By my Father in heaven. See, when you pray in Jesus' name, that's the dinner bell. Ring-a, 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 ring-a. If you go to God and say, in the name of Muhammad or in the name of Buddha, or in the name of Confucius, or in my wonderful name. God say, I don't hear you. Because Jesus said, if you go to the Father in my name, he says, if you go to him in my name, then it will be done for you by my Father who is in heaven. By my Father, the Father, the Father. Everybody say the Father. One of my favorite pictures painted by Jesus of God the Father is of his incredible provisional care for you and me. See, God watches everything you go through. If you've lost your job during COVID, God watched it happen. He knew the pink slip was coming before it hit your desk. God knows what you need right now. He knows the bills you've got. He knows that that car barely makes it by faith when you try to get it anywhere. He knows what clothes you've got and don't have. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told us four times, do not worry. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Why? Because you've got a Father in heaven who knows what you have need of before you even ask him. 
you've got a father in heaven. So he said, don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink, what you're going to eat, where you're going to live. Don't worry about your body. Don't worry about your life. And don't worry about tomorrow. How can I not worry? Because I've got a God who knows everything going on in my life. And he's going to take care of me because he's my heavenly father. He's my heavenly father. He's not some concept up there. He's not some religious idea up there. No, he is my, my heavenly father. I know him. I'm in a relationship with him. I walk with him. I talk with him. He strengthens me. He guides me. He counsels me. He gives me wisdom. He is, he is my healer. He is my peace. He is my all. Jesus said, if God clothes the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you, uh, oh, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? For your heavenly father, notice, not the heavenly father, your heavenly father. Everybody say my. That personal pronoun matters a lot. He's not a heavenly father. He's your heavenly father. He's my heavenly father. Amen? I am my beloved's and he is mine. And his banner over me is love. Amen? Your heavenly father knows you need all these things. So Jesus took the Old Testament God of fire and holiness and wrath and justice and he put a face on him that we can approach and we can relate to. Because Jesus literally said this, church. Watch this. He said, if you've seen the, me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what God is like? Look at me. You want to know what God has to say? Listen to me. You want to know how God loves people? Watch me. Because I am a direct reflection of God the Father. I am God the Father wrapped in skin. I am God the Son. He said to the disciples, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. He who has seen me, Philip, has seen the Father. So if I want to know what, what God is like, I need to open up my Bible, go to the New Testament, go to the Gospels, and read the red ink. Because that's everything Jesus did and said. And Jesus even took away the Old Testament concept of needing somebody else to approach the Father for us because we don't feel worthy to approach him alone, which is the way it was in the Old Testament. A priest approached God for you. But Jesus came along and changed all that. Jesus said, in that day, now, the that day you see in the verse is talking about after his death and resurrection and ascension back into heaven. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. I won't need to. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. And have believed that I came from God. Jesus is saying literally, folks, you won't need me to go to him for you anymore. But because you're mine, you're his. And if you received me, you received him. And now that he's your heavenly father, he wants to hear directly from you. In my name. So we've got a father-child relationship with the heavenly father. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that today? 
So I go to the Heavenly Father like I did last night. I just say, Heavenly Father, I'm coming to you because I have several needs. And I'm coming to you in Jesus' name. And as soon as I say in Jesus' name, I believe vibrations move through heaven. And it goes right into the throne room of God. He, he prayed. He's praying in the name of my son, Jesus Christ. So he's got my ear. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you to regather the people. I'm asking you to give me skill tomorrow in ministering the word. I'm asking you to take care of this person and that person. I prayed for several people. And I said, in Jesus' name, I'm praying all these things. And I could hear him in heaven saying, done, done, because I'm your heavenly Father. I'm your heavenly Father. You know that uh, I have dogs. I've told you I have dogs. I talk about my dogs all the time. I'm asking God to let them be in heaven with me. I love my dogs. But, you know, um, what I've noticed about myself is when I go by, they have two bowls, water bowl, food bowl. And, I, and, you know, I'll be going through my house at different times of the day, and I'll look and I'll see, wow, the water bowl is dry. And so the first thing I do is I drop whatever I'm doing, and I go and I straight, and I get water in the bowl, and I put it back. If there's no food and they're kind of looking at me, you know what I've realized? They've got me trained. <laughs> you think you've got your dog trained. But at my house, they got me trained because, because I, now, not literally. I mean, you know, if I yell at them, they run and hide or whatever. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. They listen to me. But I'm going to take care of them. And, and so if there's no food, I fill the bowl. If there's no water, I fill the bowl with water. I give them the food they need, the water they need to drink. And, and it occurred to me one day, look at me. I know what they need, and I give it to them. They never go hungry, and they never go thirsty. I give them shelter, and I take care of them. If they're not doing well, I take them to the vet. I care for them, and I am flawed. I'm imperfect. I'm full of mistakes and errors, and, and I'm a normal human being that's, that falls short of the glory of God all the time, and yet, and yet I care about them. And it occurred to me, here's God. He watches, and he looks, and he sees if your food bowl is empty. And he sees if you need water. And he sent his only begotten son. Please catch this, church. He sent, how much does he love you? He sent his only begotten son. I love my dogs, but I guarantee you I'm not dying for my dogs. No, if it's between me and them, they're going. Because I'm not going to die for my dogs. But God so loved the world, he gave the best of the best of the best of the best. He gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. And as we trudge through this world of pain and heartache and trial, God looks at the food bowl and when he sees it's empty, he provides. When he sees we need the living water, he provides. When he sees we need healing, he provides. When he sees we need guidance, he provides. And the day is going to come when the trumpet is going to blow and he's going to catch us up in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And our testimony is going to be, my heavenly father took me every step of the way. Amen, 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 amen. Stand up with me, everybody, would you? The Bible says God's ways are perfect. He's a faithful God who does no wrong. He's upright and he's just. That makes him the perfect father you never had and the perfect father none of us were and are.
So on Father's Day, I want to simply say that if you don't have a father who's approachable, loving, or maybe you've got a broken relationship and there's not much you can do about it right now, I want to point you upward because you've got a father who loves you more than words can tell. And he's the perfect heavenly father. And if you've never known him as your heavenly father, I want to give you a chance to do it right now. Can you bow with me in prayer? Is God your heavenly father? Have you ever thought about it? I'm not talking about religion. Oh, yeah, Pastor Jeff. I believe in doing good and being good and uh, playing by the rules. That's not what I'm asking. Is God your heavenly father through faith in Jesus Christ? Is God your heavenly father? Do you have a father in heaven? Because until you come to Christ, you don't have a father in heaven. I am the way, Jesus said, and the truth and the life. The way where? The way into relationship with God as father. So I want to pray a prayer, a simple prayer. And if you need to pray this with me, say, you know, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. I'm not sure I've been born again. But I want to be certain that when I leave this building, he's my heavenly father. So I'm asking you straight up to receive Christ into your heart. So let's bow right now. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you need to pray it, I want you to pray it with me. It's the prayer of salvation. Here we go. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me in my place on the cross. Forgive me my sins, which are many. And Father, come into my heart through your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, with your heads bowed, just for a moment, if you say, Jeff, I prayed that with you, slip your hand up in the air. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. Just slip it up. God bless you. I see you and you, several in here. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Several. Such a beautiful sight. I love it. And those of you with your hands raised, look at me just for a second. Um, Right over here and back here. Um, I'm going to dismiss this service in about one minute. And when I dismiss it, I'm going to ask you to come down and meet me and let me pray with you one more time. Would you do that? And I want to give you something to take home with you. It's very, very important. You follow through with what you just prayed. So I'm looking at you, and believe me, everybody will be going this way. You come this way. I won't keep you longer than five minutes, and then you can go, okay? How many of you are glad you came to church? Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, are you glad he's your heavenly father? He's the heavenly father. He takes care of us. Amen. Um, Wednesday night. We're going to be in church here, and I'm going to be answering tough questions. We, have a, we had a great time last Wednesday night with that, and I have some, some of the best questions I've ever received I've gotten this time. I don't know what it's been, but good ones. And I'm going to try to answer at least five of them this Wednesday night, 
It's a great time of Bible study, getting theological cobwebs out of our brains and getting clear on some things. So this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Now go out. If you go to our restaurant, say, I went to Turning Point. I'm still alive. Went to Turning Point. There were a lot of people there. And, and then the people you know who are in this church, spread the word and tell them, hey, I know you can watch online, but it sure was good to be in the house of God with people with skin on them. Amen? Amen. Is that it? That's it. All right. Happy Father's Day. I'm going to count to three, and I want us to shout out loud, Happy Father's Day. And you dads, go have a great, great uh, day with your kids, your wife. If you're by yourself, you're not because the Heavenly Father is with you.